Good morning. You're listening to Breakfast Bites, and I am Felicia King. Today's show, I wanted to address this topic of why you really don't want to ever have a cybersecurity incident. Because I have these conversations with people about how where there's this, you know, there's risk and that there's liability and you could be sued, you could be in violation of regulatory frameworks, uh, you, you have to comply with the protection of personally identifiable information, and there's even things called reputational damage. So this unfortunately does not move everyone, which I find somewhat interesting. I also have come to understand that Australia has some interesting laws. Now, <clears throat> don't quote me on this. I'm not going to say that I am a, a specific expert in this, uh, so I may hack this up a little bit. But my understanding is that Australia has some laws with regards to the privacy of uh, personal data, so individuals' um, personally identifiable information. And that any business owner or leader of a business who has authority over the um, protection of that data has a criminal personal liability to do so. Now I know that I, my perception is that that may be a bridge too far. So that the Australian government may have gone a little bit of a bridge too far there. And in the United States, there are definitely some laws that have caused executives of businesses to be held personally, criminally liable for things that they didn't directly do, but that their employees did. Now, the larger the organization, the more difficult it is to have any direct control over what employees do. So this topic of personal criminal liability by the owner of the business, I think it's a very, very nasty, slippery slope. And I know that there are some laws in the United States that do have that weight behind them because I've read the books of a couple of executives who had their uh, lives absolutely destroyed. They were uh, put in jail, they were indicted and harassed and financially destroyed. And in both cases, they ended up being exonerated, but only after their lives were destroyed and their businesses were destroyed and their finances were exhausted. And uh, I mean, all of you who are listening should have enough awareness of the justice system to realize that a ham sandwich can be indicted, is the common saying as it goes, and that the terrorism against you and the destruction against you can simply just be the threat of a lawsuit. And then having to go through not only the enormous amounts of expense, but the time just to defend yourself from a lawsuit 
or a criminal, uh, you know, a criminal suit against you. Either way, it is a massive pile of money, and it is an adventure uh, of the most horrific kind that can go on for years. In the meantime, it is the number one thing that emotionally hijacks everyone and everything that's involved. So I was thinking about this whole topic of people who have told me specifically that they feel that they don't really have data at risk, that if their data was compromised, that they feel that their customers wouldn't really care and that they don't think that any of the data that they have is that important and that they don't think it would lead to reputational damage. So I started to really think about this and saying, well, that's, that's interesting because I feel like the people who are making that statement haven't actually gone through it. And me having been involved in information technology for 25 years, I have had to be the incident responder. Now, I'm not claiming that I am a forensic incident response firm who is called by the insurance companies. You know, that is not our role. We are a service provider who is more often than not the first line of defense and the first line of response. So that means we could be doing the MDR service. We could be doing the monitoring in general that is going to catch the bad mojo that's going down and do something about it. And that's something I've described on prior podcasts, so I'm not going to beat that dead horse. And we are also the ones where the phone call goes to. So for that business owner who is feeling like something has happened, that the phone call goes to us, right? So I have had a, a plethora of responses, a plethora of opportunities to respond. Uh, fortunately, the vast majority of the time, it is a minor response, single user involved, and uh, it's not something that elevates to the level of, oh my gosh, now you have to get attorneys involved and contact a breach coach and hijack your existence for the next several years of your life. However, I can say that anytime one of these incidences occurs, no matter how small it is, it does completely hijack your entire schedule. I can also irrefutably say that every productive professional that I know is working more, longer hours, working harder than they've ever worked before. There is no more time left to tap into. There is no more time in the schedule. It doesn't exist. Again, I can say that every productive professional that I talk to, they have so much work to do. They 
are really struggling with just, gee, what do I work on next? Because they've got so much work to do. So no one that I know of actually has capacity for unexpected emergencies that are going to take top priority of everything else that goes on in their lives. Let's just look at this Kaseya VSA thing. For everyone who was affected by that, whether they were the MSP that was victimized, the internal IT department who was victimized, or the customers of those two categories of individuals uh, who were victimized. That whole situation definitely became the number one top hot total schedule hijack priority and people were working on a 24-hour basis. And I can tell you that after you've worked about 20 hours straight, you are marginally effective and you may not even be able to stay awake anymore. You know, when I was like 20, I could stay awake for 28 hours straight. Doing that now, I'm not really sure I would even attempt to do it because you get to a point where you're just not productive anymore. So, you know, let's deal with the reality of the situation here, which is that nobody has any time for this garbage. Literally, nobody has time for this garbage. So, if, so I think we really need to drastically change our paradigm. And I've been, I feel like I've been talking about this for years, but clearly the message isn't getting through. You know, the analogy that I use is I say, look, you, you know, you're the owner of risk. It's your bus, your business, your organization that you're in charge of is your bus. And either you drive it, you find someone else who you trust to drive it, or you abdicate this responsibility of being involved with who's driving it and where they're driving it to. And I mean on a regular basis. You've got to be involved. The thing I see happening way too frequently amongst executive management teams is what's called delegate and abdicate. And I don't mean to be rude or disrespectful in any way. I have seen it happen. I don't think that executive management teams are doing it because they don't care. I think they are doing it because they are also overwhelmed. They have tons of things to do. A friend of mine who has 35 years of experience in the information technology industry and spent much of that time in large corporate told me that the statistic that they had was that the average executive receives over 50,000 emails per year. I absolutely agree with that statistic. So that's just the number of emails that the average executive is receiving. Then they got to read that crap and decide what to do with it. More often than not, delete button is not what you can do with it. Then there's the phone calls and the meetings and the ongoing training and the people management. <laughs> you quickly are into the realm of, I totally understand why you want to just delegate. I totally do. But unless you happen to have 
someone who is literally at your or above, I might add, your capabilities in terms of executive leadership, then you're probably not delegating to the right person. And again, I don't mean to be rude or disrespectful. That is not my intent whatsoever, and I please hope you don't take it that way. We are all beyond overwhelmed. We all have tons of things to do. And the number one mistake I see executive management doing is they find someone who they think knows IT more than they do, and this person is 99% of the time internal to their organization, but that person doesn't happen to get paid, you know, $300,000 a year. So I would probably say they're not the corporate information security officer. And you have to realize that if you've got a $100 million business or even a $5 million business, you cannot delegate your IT management risk decision-making and strategy to internal IT. Because I know at that rate you don't have the budget to hire a full-time version of me. And that's probably going to be the only type of person that you could actually delegate and then abdicate to. Okay, so let's just just toss this entire idea of abdicating your responsibility to understand, your responsibility to be involved on a monthly basis, and your responsibility to get involved with your vendors and to enforce roles and responsibilities matrices because anything less than that I've never seen it work and I'm not the only one I attended a webinar recently that was put out by uh, IANS which is a, a very useful organization to large enterprise and one of the presenters they had in this webinar was a gentleman who had spent the last 35 years of his life as part of most of the three and four letter agencies of the federal government. And he talked extensively about how, uh, how you effectively get security improvements pushed through organizations. He talked about how they tried top-down security strategy. They tried bottom-up and eventually they realized that the only mechanism that actually works is this collaborative process between bottom-up and top-down and that you have to have the executive management team at a minimum making two decisions every single month. What are we working on? and who's going to do it. Now implicitly when you're an executive management person and you say Bob's going to do it or Sally's going to do it, then you're implicitly funding it. You're also implicitly putting your weight of authority behind that initiative and you better darn well be willing to enforce the roles and responsibilities as well as alterations to the procurement policy to facilitate that. So one other things I found fascinating about this particular webinar by this uh, 
security expert for the federal government, is he talked about the things that I've learned the hard way over the years. One of them is that you must effectuate a process policy change in the procurement system. So you cannot have systems anymore where individuals are able to willy-nilly go buy a mouse because ah, it's just a mouse, right? Ah, you know, the, the marketing department should just be able to buy their own mice. Well, no, there are reasons why the marketing department should not be buying their own mice. There are reasons why the marketing department, you know, or the athletics department, uh, or the sales department, whatever, should not be buying their own headsets, or their own monitors, or their own laptops, or their own cell phone charging docking stations. Like, I don't really care what it is. If the word technology is associated with it, whether it's a piece of software, hardware, or cloud resource like SaaS, you know, software as a service, IaaS, infrastructure as a service, whatever, I don't really care what it is. If you don't have a procurement policy in place that says who needs to sign off on that before it's allowed, and that that thing that's being procured must be in written, defined alignment with the overall strategic plan for the organization, and then someone darn well better have a written plan for the implementation of said thing. Mm-hmm. I'm dead serious. Those are three humongously critical components that need to exist in any organization. I can't tell you how many times I have stopped hundreds of thousands of dollars just being completely lit on fire because no appropriate vendor assessment or solution assessment was done. It is very easy to get snowballed by the salespeople from software companies. Oh my gosh. I mean, it's most of the time it's a snow job. And it's not, I'm not even going to say that they're intentionally doing it. I have gone through situations where I write up a 40-page technical specification of requirements for something, send that to the two lead sales engineers for a software company, and then they sign off on it and go, yep, 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 we can do all of that. Then you get into a contract with the software company. And then the reality hits over the next three months as you're wasting a bunch of time working on attempting to utilize their platform only to continually run into roadblock after roadblock after roadblock that they were actually lying pieces of feces. Yeah, I said it, feces. And then how do you get out of that contract? I mean, you know, you're not going to get those hours of your life back, but you better darn well hope that you've got what you need to contractually get out of that. 
So you're not paying for feces that was sold to you under false pretenses of feces. So if you don't have somebody like me who can write that technical specification and that can proactively advocate on your behalf because your procurement policy requires that, oh boy, you're just into another one of those black hole bottomless pit contracts that I read about people getting subjected to all the time where it's like, well, there goes another $36,000. I know of circumstances where the negative ramification was several hundreds of thousands of dollars. So anyways, I didn't mean to necessarily go off on that tangent. I, this was really about, I'm trying to get you to contemplate the reality that you don't have time for a cybersecurity incident. You don't have time to deal with it month after month after month. You don't have time to deal with it for three days straight while it's in the hot emergency basis. You don't have time for that junk. So if you don't know what I know, if you're not the level of cybersecurity expert that I am, then I don't think you're totally qualified to drive that bus by yourself. And just so you know, I don't drive my bus by myself. I have a huge, vast network of extremely high-quality people that I collaborate with and talk to and bounce ideas off of. Because those of us that are really in the know, what we end up doing is establishing these rich relationships with equal, intellectually and capability equal, other individuals in our same industry. And then we talk to each other about like, well, I've got you know this thing. What is your strategy? What are you doing? And I can tell you that the vast majority of the time, what I find is that what I'm doing either exceeds or is functionally equivalent to what other security experts have come up with on their own. So when you have multiple security experts who are coming up with the same strategies and approaches and most definitely effectuating the same outcome, you know, minor style differences is how I'm going to characterize the differences. They're, they're not really meaningful differences. They're just style differences. And those style differences are, are contextually relevant, meaning nobody's right. They're just right in that particular context. So when you have multiple security experts who are independently coming to the same approach, they, you can have faith in the efficacy and validity of that approach because they've independently come to that same approach and they're security experts. Now, I'm not talking about a situation where I believe in managing by consensus. I don't. But I do think that if you decide you're going to go blow $36,000 and you haven't gotten the right people in the room to talk it out, and those people have not confirmed and demonstrated that they have an implementation plan and an engineering plan and that uh, they can document how that thing aligns uh, 
with the long-term strategic technology plan for the organization, then uh, I would put the brakes on that and ask that those things be done. You got to realize that you may have to pay for those services, but it's way cheaper to pay for a few hours of your virtual information security officer's time in advance compared to, ah, let's make a $65,000 mistake. So usually the mistakes are more expensive than that. So just to recap, I don't think you can drive the bus yourself and you cannot delegate the driving of that bus to your internal IT department. Please just stop with that idea. You know, if you've got yourself a $300,000 a year corporate information security officer who could do the job technically of every single person in your IT department, like I'm not talking just lead it, I mean actually do the work, then they might be qualified to drive that bus for you and you fully abdicate your responsibility to be involved. You fully delegate and abdicate. But given the fact that I don't find anyone happening to be in that particular situation, I don't recommend that approach. And, you know, furthermore, the gentleman with 35 years of experience working with all the three and four letter agencies of the United States, he doesn't recommend that approach either. He said the only thing that they found worked over 35 years was that executive management who owns the risk, that C-suite owns the risk, needs to get involved. They need to decide that they're, it's, it's okay for them to be uncomfortable getting involved in conversations where they don't yet understand the details of what's going on, but that they will. Please stop being afraid of being involved in those conversations because you're uncomfortable with it because you feel like you don't know. You're never going to know if you don't start getting involved. And one other thing I would really strongly advise is please do not force people to leave out the necessary details that you need to have an accurate understanding of the situation. I get way too much where certain executive management leaders have said that they, air quote, don't need to know those details. And it isn't true. You do need to know those details. I have no intention of talking down to anyone in executive management. I will be technically specific and accurate because accuracy matters. Now, that doesn't mean going into mass quantities of technical minutia, but please do not just mentally turn off because things get a little difficult. I can tell you that I've worked with people over 20 years where they came from a place of they didn't know, but through these ongoing interactions, they did know. They continually got more and more and more educated about not only the processes that work, the policies that need to be in place, 
who's realistically going to be able to do what roles and responsibilities. And frankly, it puts them in a position to stop being bulldozed by BS that is oftentimes coming from a FUD position. That's fear, uncertainty, and doubt, just in case you wanted to know. Uh, it, so when you're an informed decision maker, it can help you just smell and hear BS a mile away, and then you can say like, well, no, that's, that's not how the process works. Don't give me that line of baloney. That is not how the process works. See, because you've been educated, you know actually what process works. So just in summary, you don't have time for a cybersecurity incident. Please, please, let's talk about driving the bus together and talking about on a monthly basis, what are the priorities, where's that bus needing to get driven, how far forward does it need to be driven, maybe it needs to be driven to the next town, maybe only to the next block, but who's also going to get on the bus and go along for the ride, you know, and, and who's going to have what roles and responsibilities on the ride. Who's driving it? Who's watching the mirrors? Who's working on the inside of the bus while we're driving? You know, whatever it is, these meetings have got to happen because you, it's the only way that you're in control of the cost profile and the timing of the effort and the expense of anything having to do with security. Either you proactively address issues or the bad guys will take all that control out of you, away from you, and it will just hijack your entire existence. Well, that's it for now, and hopefully I've thoroughly covered this topic.